Show at gmail.com or through any more direct uh, means of communication. Also, I've started doing uh, stand up open mics in town as things open up again. So, if you're in the Portland metro area, you can find me at some random open mic somewhere, or you can find me uh, weeping in an alley after a bad show. Either way, should be seller. Anyway, let's get into it. <sighs> oh my god. Alright. I think you know which one I pulled. I can only imagine. This first story is called Butt Orb. <laughs> That's so weird. Okay. That's so weird. Yeah. Seems like something that you'd find in a Japanese folklore, maybe. You know, very, very well researched. I wouldn't know. Jason wasn't someone who really thought too much about life in any regard. 
come by, had a nice cushy job as a lawyer, and he was just making his way through town doing shit. He'd go to court and stuff and defend clients and whatnot. He'd go to happy hour if he was off early enough. Or he'd work late without griping about it. Sure, he did stuff on weekends and went on dates and whatnot. But all the people that he dated, you know, they didn't really talk, talk about anything remarkable. Just like, yeah, the weather's cool, you know. The clouds are doing a thing. Yeah, the clouds really are doing things. a little different than other days. Yeah. Those clouds, man. But he'd have colleagues who'd have, try to have, uh, more real conversations with him. Just being like, yeah, shit, Jason, I mean, it's good to see you again, man. Like, this past year and a half, god. It's like all my values have flipped upside down and really, really transformed. Jason was just like, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was fine? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, was, I didn't like being inside, but now that I'm outside, you know, I think that's cool, you know? But Jason, like, so many people died, and so many people had to, were forced to cope with all the tragedy of being kept indoors and stuff. Also coexisting with people who didn't really give a shit about the pandemic, you know, like we're not even living in the same world, man, you know? And Jason was just like, oh, I don't know, it's kinda it's kinda the same to me. Everyone's uh, you know, doing stuff, talking about clouds. That particular colleague uh, made great efforts to never speak to Jason again. No, but Jason was a master of moseying. Provoking lawyers out there, but uh, Jason was not one of them. He never really had to think about anything. Until the days came when he saw people were watching his house. had a cozy little townhouse property, uh, downtown. It was a walking distance of a nearby corner store. Where he'd always get, uh, bottles of Snapple every day before work. Sometimes a cup of coffee. watching him or stalking him, but it was getting more and more obvious. People would stand in the middle of the sidewalk and Jason would approach them and he would just be like, uh, excuse me, but they wouldn't move. They would just stare. And Jason would try to move out of the way and 
person would just still stand there, and Jason would walk by and be like, huh, that was really weird. Uh, but Jason was oblivious to the fact that he was being targeted for reasons he didn't understand. So in one afternoon when he was out drinking, him and some of his chums, who also weren't deep thinkers, were talking about different ways to spend the afternoon. They're just being like, nah, nah, we always go to the same bars, you know. Let's, uh, let's do something different, you know. And another one of Jason's colleagues was just like, oh, you sound like such a tourist right now. He's like, oh man, you don't believe in astrology, do ya? And the co-worker was just like, not only do I believe in astrology, but I think we should get our fortunes told. There's a place a couple blocks down. I say we all walk over, walk over and get some readings, man. Jason shrugged and was just like, ah, oh, I'm up for anything, because he didn't really give it much thought. So the four co-workers and lawyers uh, walked those several blocks to the fortune teller's pad. And the fortune teller greeted them and was like, yeah, come in, you know, I can do some readings. Uh, what are you thinking? It's like, oh, maybe some palm readings or something. Jason's uh, most inebriated chum was just like, no, no, I want the orb, you know. Can you do like an orb reading on us? Like a crystal ball thing? And she was like, well, I don't really do that, you know. I can do a simple palm reading or something. Tar tarot, that'd be cool. And the co-worker's not, you gotta do something really fucking, you gotta blow our minds, you know. Really think about the trajectory of our lives, you know? Something hardcore. Then the fortune teller looked at Jason. Gave him a hard look. And approached him and stared, stared him directly in the eye. backed away a little bit. He's just like, oh, everyone keeps staring at me. And then the fortune teller said, you, you have the butt orb. And Jason was like, the, the butt orb? And the fortune teller said, yes, the butt orb. The source of legendary mystic power. The essence of the soul and beyond. It's practically the soul of the universe. It is your destiny to gift it to someone who's worthy. And the drunk co-worker was just like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And Jason was just like, I don't want to, I want anything to do too with a butt warp. I don't, how do I, how am I supposed to give it to someone? And the fortune teller nodded and was just like, oh, I think you know how to give away your butt orb. <laughs> radically left. He didn't know how to didn't know how to cope with this. 
first time in his life, Jason had to think about a very complex dilemma and how to solve it. So he did some quick skimming research on it, and then he found out about it. The Bud Orb. It has many names and many different cultures. But the unanimous view is that someone is destined to have the Bud Orb, and then gifted to someone who is worthy. So they can be granted a mystic power to help out the universe and all that jazz planet in the world. It's not like Tezuka kind of power, but, you know, they'll have the capacity to make a world a lighter place or a darker place. Jason had never thought he'd have the fate of the world in his hands. living in a dark age. And Jason certainly didn't want that age to get darker. So he just thought about it, and he's just like, well, I gotta, you know, I wanna, I wanna give my butt orb to the right person. So I better be very thorough about the vetting process of who can have my butt orb. So Jason pulled from his state savings. He rented a, an empty studio space and made it into a, an office space where he had a staff of about 11 people. And uh, so what he did was he released a press release just being like, yes, the legends are true. I am the possessor of the butt orb, and it's my destiny to gift it to someone who will either make a, the world a better place or a worse place, not by their sheer will alone, but by their essence and the nuance of their being and their souls. In order to do that, I'll need you submit, to submit a very detailed grant about why you should possess the butt orb and what do you tend to do with it. The application period will be open uh, for the next six months. Please be thorough. News about it spread like wildfire. It was all over social media, uh, fledgling news outlets, word of mouth. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was word of mouth, alright. <laughs> Hey, did you hear about that butt orb? Oh, yeah. Oh, I heard about it. Yeah. Alright, People submitted grants all over the planet. <laughs> Jason had some translators on deck, so non-English speakers could also submit. they poured in. Hundreds of grants were submitted every day. He had to quit his job as a lawyer just so he could dedicate his time to process photo orb applications.
to a nonprofit so that he can receive donations to keep his staff employed as he processed all this, these uh, butthole of applications. If he encountered a form with a potential butthole recipient, he'd bring them in for an interview in person. two psychologists and a fortune teller to assess their essence to see if they were deemed fit for the orb to see how their willpower would play out and how their essence could uh, guide the trajectory of the nature of the orb for instance after one applicant a psychologist would be like oh well, they're definitely intentional about doing good things with the orb they do have some inner demons they haven't coped with, and it may cause the orb to spiral out and cause catastrophic uh, bureau disasters, bureaucratic disasters. An example of another applicant just being like, oh yeah, he was a... Yes, he's, the, he's deemed fit of pure soul to have the orb, of course. Definitely worthy. And he certainly lacks the, uh, willpower to strive for it and put it to good use. The orb may be unfortunately dormant in his possession. Jason thought long and hard about how he wanted the orb to be used. Once it was given to someone, there, was, there were no takesy-backsies. This was destiny we're talking about. Jason made the cover of Time Magazine as the legendary bestower of the Bud Orb. And he also hosted SNL. Um, wasn't a great episode. A lot of Bud Orb jokes. A lot of sexual innuendos. Jason did really appreciate, but he could roll with the punches. <laughs> but after the six-month application period was up, and after a three-month extension, and then another five-month extension, still, Jason didn't know who to give the butt orb to. saw counsel to the original fortune teller, uh, who's now on his staff, that first told him about the butt orb. And she said, well, you can also, you could always choose not to give away your butt orb. But your butt orb may corrode you from the inside, and it may call great, cause great spiritual pain and suffering. It may have the worst consequence on humanity of all. Jason did feel that turmoil. The bud orb rolling around inside him. He was already starting to feel corrode his insides a little bit. Having a bud orb is a big responsibility. Oh my god. Listen, it's I didn't write this story. Yes, you did. I listen, it's happening right now. Listen. <laughs> 
I'm on the ride with you, you know? So one day, Jason was perusing Facebook. Maybe the bestower of the butt orb. He was looking for another candidate who maybe didn't apply for the applications. He admitted that his grant and application process was a very vigorous one, and not for the faint of heart, but he thought it was a useful threshold uh, for anyone worthy of the butt orb. But also, anyone who didn't want anything to do with bureaucracy could also be worthy of the butt orb. He had thousands upon thousands of Facebook friends because everyone wanted to be his pal because he had the butt orb. And then one, then one day he saw his old co-worker and things started to first open up a bit in, in the United States after the pandemic. He was chatting with Jason and realized that Jason was essentially an empty person by his view and didn't want anything to do with him. Jason was just like, this is the guy. I think this is the guy right here. So without telling anyone, Jason snuck out. He had a ski cap and sunglasses because he was too easily recognizable. He was among one of the most famous people on earth at this point. And he went to his old co-worker's house. like, hey, Timothy, what's up? And Timothy was just like, oh, um, yeah, do you need anything? And Jason was just like, it's me, Jason. You know, we worked at a, a law firm together. Um, Timothy was just like, nah, I don't, uh, I don't think I remember you, man. Sorry. And then Jason was like, really? Not even a little bit? You, you know, we talked once and you kind of thought I was an asshole. Timmy, Timothy was just like, I don't give assholes uh, too, too much of a time of day. Jason was like, well, that's exactly why I'm here. I don't know if you've been re reading the news lately, but I am the bestower of the butt orb. And then Timmy, Timothy was just like, yeah, I think I heard something about it. Something about uh, the mystic de destiny of the uh, Earth and universe or something. And then Jason was like, yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's me. So Timothy, I have, you know, I was moved by, you know, you saw my impurities of my soul, which was a sheer emptiness that existed before me, before I realized that I was the bestower of the butt orb. And now I deem you pure of heart, so I want to bestow the butt orb to you. Timothy was just like, um, I don't think I want the butt orb. And Jason was like, what? like, nah, I don't, I don't think so, man. I don't think I want the butt orb. And then Jason was just like, but the butt orb is it's a, it's a great mystic artifact of destiny. If you're pure of heart, then it can, you know, can reach uh, 
human species to a golden age, to all species, to all life that not only exists on the planet, but in the solar system and universe. And Timothy was just like, yeah, I, yeah, I get it, but I, I just, I don't know, man. It's a, kind of don't want that headache, you know? It's like a more money, more problems kind of thing. I just, uh, yeah, I think someone else can probably have better use for it. They can carve out time for it or whatever. I just kind of, nah, I just want to keep it easy, you know? pandemic was rough enough, I just kind of want to really calibrate what my values of life are, and I really just want to focus on just, like, living well and taking care of the people that I love, and, you know, I don't think I, I don't really need a butt orb to take care of that, and Jason was just like, oh, dude, you're so fucking worthy, you have no idea, you're saying, like, all the right shit to get this orb, and you still don't want it, and Timothy was just like, no, I really don't, and Jason was just like, oh, Timothy, you're breaking my heart, man, come on. Like, you want this butt orb action. Just, if not for yourself, just do it for humanity, for life. You don't even have to do anything, you know? It's not like a tool you can use. Just you being the possessor of the butt orb, your pure part will just exude through the planet and the universe and just make everything better without you even trying. You just gotta be good to people, and that'll just reverberate with the possession of the butt orb. That's all it is, man. It's... The magic's in your heart, dude. It's just an orb in my butt. It's alright. Just don't worry about it. Come on, man. Timothy was just like... Alright, well... You know, if it's not... I, I, okay. Fine. You've persuaded me, I guess. I'll, I'll take your butt orb. Yay. And so Jason was just like, okay. Alright. Great. I'm so happy to hear that. I wanted to, you know, I was, I was doing a grant process initially, and I wanted to make, like, a big news story about it, but we don't have to do that. I'll just give it to you. It's probably more earnest this way anyway. I'll do press release about it later. That's, it's a whole headache. Don't worry about it. And Timothy was just like, maybe, uh, you know, I don't want the, I don't want the global, uh, pressure of people knowing that I'm the designator of humanity, you know, so maybe don't tell people that I'm, like, I have that magic tool stuff. And Jason was like, okay, it's fine. It's fair. I'll just tell everyone that the butt orb is in the right hands. And then Timothy was just like, alright, well, alright. I'm ready for it now. And Jason was just like, um, but that's, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go get it. And Timothy was just like, what do you mean I gotta get it? Where is it? And Jason was just like, Timothy, it's a butt orbs in my butt. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get in there and get it. And Timothy said, Timothy said, whoa, Jason, you didn't say that at the front end. You did a very, you did a very earnest speech about like the nature of destiny and love in the universe. You really got me on board with it. You didn't uh, mention this fine print about how I have to get the orb. Jason would just be like, look, it's, a, you know, it can be quick. I got some lube. Timothy was just like, all right. All right. Uh, happy pride. Happy pride, yeah. So they went went to the house. Oh, yeah. Went to Timothy's bedroom. Yes. Jason bent over. Timothy was just like, just don't, also don't tell my wife about this. And Jason was just like, it's cool, it's cool, man, just, it's all about destiny. It's all about destiny. It's all about destiny. 
And then, it happened. Jason commenced the ceremony of gifting Timothy the butt orb. And then peace on earth was finally achieved. Finally! This is a prostate or two. It's all it took. <laughs> we found oh. the butt orb! <laughs> what a beautiful story. Isn't it? That's, that was so nice. That's... That was so nice. That's the most endearing story like in like... old ladies having little sandwiches together. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> Couple dudes just sharing the divine wisdom through their assholes. I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> World peace is achievable. World peace! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought you are you're going to try and clean that one up, but you brought us home. I gotta, the story's gotta go where it's gotta go. Yeah, you know? that's, that's how that works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <clears throat> this next story is called Insta Kilogram. <laughs> someone like me, uh, a 90s kid, born in the early 90s, you probably witnessed the emergence of social media and smartphones during your early to late teenage years, and watched society transform accordingly. And also, if you're in that same age bracket, probably in your late 20s when the pandemic happened, and once again, the world changed accordingly. It's a lot of change to occur in such a short amount of time, so I'm sure you feel the same way when I say that since those changes I feel like a total grandpa person, an old geezer without even hitting 30 yet. Retirement homes won't let me in. And even after witnessing these world changes, it was still remarkable to see what Instagram was going through. Because it's so safe to say that Instagram got weird. We all remember when Instagram first emerged. Oh, just these square little pictures, you know, some hashtags. People just use these filters. They took pictures of their food and stuff. Sharing some memories and all that. Sure, a lot of it was gimmicky, but you know, it's whatever. And then Facebook swooped in. Uh, Instagram stories were incorporated. 
And there are still gimmicky accounts on Instagram here and there. But in my view, it seemed like Instagram was the social media account that figured out how to make social media okay as much as any social media site can. That was before they included the Kilogram feature. It was an added feature. It was free of cost at first. It was just like, hey, try Instakilogram. All these mind-numbing Facebook ads threw it at you. Just like, ah, oh, try Facebook Kilogram. Everyone's doing it. Last thing you need is a company saying that everyone's doing it when no one's doing it. And then after a certain amount of time, everyone is doing it. And you can't function properly in society without doing it. And it's awful. But that's how Instakilogram started off. And when I saw that feature, I was just like, you know what? Fuck it, I'll try it. extension on my phone it said VR compatible and I was just like oh VR compatible all right that's uh interesting it's a uh, kind of remind me of Google Glass when that was happening which is kind of a, a failed endeavor on Google's part when they tried to formulate glasses that would emulate smartphone screens and the public didn't take to it caused a bit of a source of hope in humanity at the time. But I was just like, yeah, it's a kilogram, sure. So one day I was alone in my house and I just put on some uh, VR goggles and I was just like, alright, let's uh, see what this can do. started off with something typical, you know, I was just scrolling through my Instagram feed, you know, seeing some cool cartoonists and musicians and friends doing shit, and, I was, and it was just like it's one rectangle that was far away, and I was reading it, and I was just like, alright, so it's just a VR smartphone screen, you know. They would take advantage of the interface of VR, you know. Kind of a revolutionary medium that hasn't quite been tapped into yet. Kind of thought that uh, they'd do something more cooler than this, more immersive. And then I heard a. Then suddenly a flash happened from the goggles. And it burned my eyes and my retinas. I threw the goggles off on the bed. I just felt a sick burn right in the center of my eyeballs. And I was just like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. There were all these blurs in my vision. I was worried that I was going blind. I didn't know if the VR goggles were malfunctioning, but why would they do a big flash like that? Or was it the app? Was it supposed to do that? So two weeks later, I scheduled an eye doctor appointment. I 
in it, and the doctor was just like, oh yeah, you know, uh, yeah, your uh, veins in your eyelids are atrophied from watching too much television and staring at screens too much. You gotta, you gotta blink more, man. I was just like, yeah, I already knew that, but I mean, what about the, uh, insta-kilogram thing? You know, there's a VR flash, and it really stung my eyes, you know? And she was just like, well, it's, you know, uh, after your scans, there's something unusual caused from that, you know? If it was a flash as bright as you say, it would be the same effect. Uh, like if you stared at the sun for a little too long, or if you're one of those people that just stared at the eclipse without any filter. Um, but that goes away in a few months. So other than that, uh, you know, everything's uh, up to snuff. I was like, okay, cool. Well, that's fine. Uh, I guess I'll go about my day. That's exactly what I did. coffee shop and started to read and, and at the end of a chapter I'd pop on my phone check Twitter and Instagram maybe start a text conversation and out the window I saw uh, this woman with a very cute little dog a nice cocker spaniel on a leash and I was just like, oh, what a cool dog. I used to have a Cocker Spaniel. And then suddenly this thing appeared in my vision. It was the shape of a dog collar. And then it said, dog, dog collar, $15.99. And I was just like, what the hell? I tried to wave at it, but I couldn't grab it. It was moving alongside my vision. And then slowly uh, slumped to the side of my vision, then just slowly, steadily faded away and slid out of view. And I was like, oh, that was, that was weird. Did I hallucinate that? shut off my phone, I just wanted to smell the roses in the rose garden, you know, do some people watching, watch some birds, you know, 
maybe draw my notebook or something. But still, more ads came. Every time I thought about something, uh, an ad would correspond with it. Baseball, a baseball bat would appear. If I thought about this cartoonist I like, some pens, some micron pens would appear. And I thought, son, son of a bitch, it happened. Instagram, Instakilogram stopped me from being able to unplug. Social media is now forever in my brain. Now, this, this is something that fades. Like, how long does it last? Started to walk around the park a little more. Started to get more crowded, you know? And I was like, am I the only son of a bitch that fell for this? Like, I hope people still gotta speak out and do this. And then I saw an ad for an article about people speaking out about Instakilogram and how it causes ads in your brain and rots your mind. So I was like, oh, I kinda wanna read that. And then all this text appeared in front of my vision. And I ran into a tree trying to read it. I couldn't read it because my eyes couldn't focus because the font kept moving around like a line in your eye. I tried to close my eyes, but the shadow of it still appeared. And I was just like, oh my god, this is fucking awful. Eventually I see, saw a woman screaming, running. She was just like, ah, get it out of my eyes. And I was just like, oh, it must be Instakilogram doing this. Next week, I was just like bumping into telephone poles and buildings and doorways and trees. Couldn't focus at work. When I talked to my friends, just fucking constant ads right in my face. Or articles or just random uh, Instagram feeds. Zuckerberg, and he was just like, look, okay, I didn't, I didn't try to rot people's brains, alright, I just wanted to help them find what they were looking for and connect with other people, and, you know, everyone's trying to sell something, we were trying to help small businesses, you know, so we thought, okay, well, people are getting weary of Facebook because they don't like the ads or the conspiracy theories and false information floating around, so what if they're just putting their brains, you know, I was just trying to help out, I wasn't trying to be boisterous. This was an appeal to Congress about, dude, Zuckerberg, what did you do now? How else have you fucked up society? But of course, nothing was done. It severed my ability to people watch or connect with other people. If I was with other people and hanging out, I would just be spacing out and scrolling through my feed, through my vision, looking at ads, doing some one-click buy purchases on Amazon, and that's just how I lived for, for the rest of that time until whenever the next new thing comes out, whenever the next big change in society happened. 
the meantime, me and other people who signed up for Instakilogram will just watch random feeds and ads in their vision, not really seeing the world outside of themselves. And I didn't want to admit it, but it did make cruising the internet much, much easier. uplifting story. Yeah? Yeah, I guess any story that ends up as uplifting is nice and uplifting. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't trying to be boisterous, oh you know. God, He's just trying to help people connect. Why do you have to be <laughs> Like, that's, that's barely storytelling. Like, he said that to Congress when he was confronted he about... Did he mean to be boisterous? Not literally, no. But he wasn't trying to spread misinformation or conspiracies. You know, he was just like, I just, I just want people to connect, you know, that's all. He's like, please don't sue me. I was just trying to go to college. <laughs> I was just trying to be smart. <laughs> I was just trying to meet girls. <laughs> yeah, seriously. What if he has the butt orb? What if there's a real butt orb that was wrongly given? He won't, I don't, you know, I know that he has it. I'm not sure he knows what to do with it. He looks like something's up his ass. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, you know, world domination is like a tricky business. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of responsibility. For it's real. very difficult. Everyone thinks they want it until they have it. Yeah. And they're like, what's this thing up my ass? And then everyone hates them, rightfully so, because they're just fucking everything up. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. This next story is called Lemon Zest. <laughs> someone that has skepticism about a lot of things but it was genuinely nice to go out to the farmer's market and see everything kind of open it up again most people were vaccinated to some degree and I certainly didn't think things were really going to get better but it was a nice heads above water period as far as the, as far as the pandemic went in the United States that summer farmer's market was cool. Everyone sold all these really cool crops. They sold cherries, figs, rabbit meat, CBD honey, perfumes, 
Guess a lot of people got really doubled down on farming, and these were the fruits of that adventure. It was really an incredible thing to witness. Everyone working together, developing their own resources. And sharing the knowledge of how to cultivate those resources. It was a nice iteration of cooperation that could maybe uh, stave off all the terror and greed and the severe lack of coping skills that exist in the world. So I was walking around, I was just uh, chatting with farmers and stuff. Have a good time, I bought some, some good produce. Meeting some neighbors and chatting with them. There's a Steely Dan cover band that people were enjoying. to one booth. It was just a woman operating it. She had just like a bunch of tattoos and this really uh, large sun hat. And she was just like, oh, you want to try some lemon zest? And I was just like, lemon zest? Ah. That sounds pretty cool. Like a... Yeah, sure, I'll try it. And she dug into her pocket and then she was just like, lemon zest! And then she threw sand at me. And I was just like, ah, oh, what the hell? burned my eyes and I couldn't see. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you wanted lemon zest. And I was just like, I don't, what, what did you, it stings, what did you throw? Did you throw sand at me? And she was like, no, it's lemon zest. It's like, kind of like sand, but like lemony, you know? It's supposed to help the body and mind and soul. I thought it would help. And I'm just like, jeez, oh, why did you, uh. I wanted to find like a water fountain or something, but those were still shut down. So eventually I got some, uh, Snapple, and then I just, like, watered my eyes with it. And I was able to see a little bit. But my eyes still stung. Then I saw that woman's booth from a distance. Just said lemon zest. She had a bunch of lemons on a counter. Uh, lemonade. Um, lemon perfume. One product with all these uh, all these little bottles of sand called lemon zest. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't care. I was just like, she shouldn't have to fucking throw sand at me. Talk about a fucking adjustment period. Shit. But the rest of the farmers market went okay. Again, I just got some. You know, I got some new cologne, some fruit and vegetables. I got a rabbit carcass I can make into soup later, you know. It was a good haul. I was really excited to try all these. Uh, some of these new farms are pretty new, and I was really tried to, excited to, like, try them all out. Got some contact information so we can just, like, swap stories and stuff. Get resources and do trades and all that.
So a week went by, and I was starting to feel a little bit funny. My eyes still still sun, stung, you know. They were getting pretty red. But I didn't have insurance, so I didn't see a, an eye doctor. I was just like, oh, I'll just walk it off. I applied some eye drops that I had. And I was just like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Nothing to worry about. started to change a little bit. Things were getting a little bit more yellow. And when I would meet people and they, if they seemed in a bitter or a sour mood, I could like see that inside of them. There was like a little pit of swirling yellow in their souls, in their chest, or in their head. It's like, oh, you seem sour today. And then they'd be like, I don't want to talk about it. So I uh, went on the computer and I just started to do a search for lemon zest. And I saw the picture of the farmer doing a, the lemon zest thing. And she was saying, like, yeah, making the world more lemony by the day. With lemon zest, you'll get lemon vision. And I was just like, all right, well, I don't know what that means. to see in a typical way. But I was starting to see deeper layers of things, you know. Like infrared rays, people's inner sourness, the sour textures that exist in brick walls or fire hydrants or something, in creatures or inanimate objects. I was able to break things down through their chemical compounds. Similar to the way uh, Jordi LaForge would describe his vision, you know. You can see all these uh, inner layers about things. You focus on one thing at a time, like uh, in conversations at a party. That's kind of where I was at, except lemon-specific. So one day I returned to work. We were, all, we were all heading back to the office. And I was just like, oh, it's good to see you all. Yeah, it's really cool looked at me, and they were just like, Jesus Christ, Marvin, you're right? And I was just like, yeah, why wouldn't I be? What's wrong? And one of my coworkers says, your eyes, they're, they're lemons. And I was just like, get the fuck out of here. No way. Something I didn't notice that morning, but I looked in the mirror, and I saw that my eyeballs are replaced with, like, these little lemons. I was just like, shit. I didn't know what to do with it. Other than to just go about my day, I could still see. When I would have tea, I'd put extra lemon on it. Then I'd start adding more lemon to things. Eventually, I got to the point where all I would eat were lemons. But I needed so many lemons to live. So what I started to do is I just started to take out my lemon eyeballs and split them open make them in the lemonade and stuff and drink it, or put it in cocktails or whatever. And then the next day, more lemon eyeballs grow back. So I had a seemingly infinite uh, supply of little tiny eyeball lemons. 
peel them open and take a good look at them, but the insides didn't look like lemons. They were... They just looked like human eyeballs, but encased in a lemon skin. to live this lemony life. I'll try to hang out with other people and meet them, but I could only... They want to talk about things like uh, like eating a good steak or something, or, you know, milkshakes or whatever. But I'm just like, no, what about lemons, though? All I wanted to talk about was, like, lemons. Not as an exception, obsession, but I just... I couldn't identify with anyone else unless there was lemons involved in some way, or at least some sort of sour, bitter flavor. So I'll just hang out with other people who may or may not have tried lemon zest, and we would just like talk about lemons all day, and I just felt like, yes, I finally found my calling, I found my people. We get to fucking hash it out about lemons. We'd have lemon parties, we'd have lemonade, lemon pie. lemons to other people. Eventually I heard about this lemon compound, and I was just like, yeah, oh hell yeah, I'll join. So I moved there and entered this whole community full of, like, lemon people. And I met the woman who gave me the lemon zest, and she was like, oh hey, you're the, yeah, I've met you before. And I was like, yeah, you're the lemon zest woman, you Gave, you gave me my first flavor of lemon zest. And she was just like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, but you don't, you didn't have lemons in your eyes when I met you. And she was just like, oh, well, I, I always, like, unpeel them uh, before I go out in public, you know. I don't want people to think I'm just a lemon head out of the gate, you know. Because I still want to, like, bring lemon, bring people into the world of lemons, you know. And I was just like, yeah, what's up? that's so cool. But yeah, I'm totally about lemons now. I had a lemon grab tattoo on my back. Eventually I started doing imitations of him and scream just like him. That's kind of what we all did on the compound. We would just all do these lemon grab screams. It's like its own chant. It was truly a magical time in my life. of heart and a lemon lifestyle that maybe not everyone would understand. So one day me and some others uh, were leaving the compound and we had to do a grocery run. Even though we all had our own supply of lemons, but sometimes we had outreach parties and not everyone was into eating lemons all the time, which sooner or later they'll understand. But, you know, we got, we got a lot of food uh, that wasn't lemons and stuff. You know, we got some sodas, some bread, some meat. We were at the grocery store, and getting this bag of sugar because I wanted to do some baked goods, some lemon pies, not too lemony for the novices, for the uh, people who haven't joined the lemon compound yet, but just give them a little flavor of the kind of lemons that we offer. So I got the bag of sugar and I raised it above my head to look underneath it, 
to see if I can get a good price for it because it wasn't stamped on like on other ones. But then the bottom split over and it fell over all over my face and my eyes and I started to scream. Ah! Ah! And my lemon brothers was like, what's, what's wrong, fellow lemonhead? And I was just like, I'm fine. I just, my eyes, they sting, they burn. It's like, oh, don't worry, you should have your lemon skin on. And I was like, no, no, I unpeeled it so we can go on this trip, you know? So they took me to the car. And then we drove back to the compound after they finished the shopping trip. And I was in bed for about five or six days, breathing around, my eyes burning. resident lemon compound doctor was taking a look at me, giving me a proper exam. He did have some eye doctor tools, but he had the most uncanny lemon vision out of any, any of us. So he was observing my eyes, and he was just like, um, how do you, uh, how do you see things, Marvin? And I was just like, um, you know, it's, I can see fine, you know, I can see the concrete nature of reality pretty well, but my lemon vision is really off. I'm not seeing really anything lemony. Dr. Nadu was like, that's what I was afraid of. Marvin, I don't know how to break it to you, but when you got the sugars in your eye, it counteracted the lemon zest that first soured your vision. Now it's been sweetened have regular eyesight like anyone else. And I was just like, well, I can get some more lemon zest in my eye. And he was just like, it's not that simple. Your eyeballs are already uh, resistant and immune to lemon zest. They've already been exposed to your eyeballs. Introducing it wouldn't, wouldn't do anything. Came to like, you know, like you had a lemon zest vaccine and if it entered your body, it wouldn't do anything. You know, so it's like, so I'm just, I'm just a normie now? Lemon doctor nodded. I was like, afraid so. So everyone took me to the council. The, the head lemon heads gave a long, hard talk about what to do with me, about what my role can be in the lemon compound. They discussed maybe I can do like outreach or something, talk about the ways of lemonness. But even still, since I didn't have lemon visions anymore and I was no longer a lemon head, I could never understand the true ecstasy of a lemony way of being. So after a long, hard, stiff vote, they were just like, sorry, Marvin, you have to leave. So I packed my bags and made eye contact with everyone with my sad, sugary, saline eyes. And on my way out the, uh, the back gate, I saw the, uh, the woman who sprinkled lemon zest in my eyes in the first place, and she gave me a hug. And she was just like, I wish there was another way. And I was just like, I know. Me too. So then I walked out. Some people, some friends I had in the compound saw me off. Others thought I betrayed them, even though it was an accident. And they didn't think 
couldn't stand the sight of me. So then I, I left the compound, uh, got a new apartment, I got my old job back, and, you know, when I would eat food or drink things, you know, sometimes I put a little lemon on it, and it would, it would, it would be okay, you know? This, this, it was fine. story, do you? <laughs> I didn't like it. Okay, well. Which says a lot. We've been, we've been at this for a very long time. It's a whole story that I was it's... like, alright. Well, <laughs> well, like, you know. You don't have to do an encore for me, though. I mean, you don't I'm have doing... to you cannot please everybody. Well, if I wasn't, I was on the like, fence about it, but I was just, so, yeah. yeah. Doesn't mean you have to do another story. I'm gonna do another story. Okay. Also, how do you follow Bud Orb? Like, seriously. <laughs> That's like the I don't know how this next one's uh, gonna go, but like Bud Orb really yeah, just after the Bud Orb and the one after that, the lemon story was just like <laughs> Sometimes that's how it goes. <laughs> but I mean we'll find out how this next one goes. This next story is called Smarter Than the Plastic Bag. <laughs> wow. Paper bags at first. 
like shit, so you're, you might not like this, but uh, we're out of paper bags. Like, we've had a shortage for a while. Um, we got plastic left, but that's okay. And I was just like, ah, oh, plastic, but that's gonna damage the earth. Like, that's gonna ruin it already. Like, apocalypse is nigh, man. I don't wanna use a plastic bag. And he's just like, dude, well, you can carry it hand by hand if you want. I was just like, no, I'll just, I'll do the plastic bag, I'll, I'll save it, and, you know, put it to good use, find a good home, I just don't want it, want it to rot in the earth or whatever, or damage anything, or prevent erosion of garbage, or whatever. So I brought my groceries home, I had one paper bag and one plastic bag, and I put my groceries away, I put the... I folded up the paper bag neatly, stashed it away. The plastic bag, I was like, yeah, well, I guess I'll save this. I didn't have a stash of plastic bags at the time, so I just left it under the counter and figured out what I'd do with it later. And this was also a night when my Wi-Fi wasn't working. There was supposed to be a repairman to come and get it, or a new router to come, rather. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll try to find something new then. So I was going through my room, and I found an old Rubik's Cube. And I was just like, oh, that's a, that's a cool thing. Be something fun to do. It was unsolved already, so... Just try to turn sides and twist it, try to figure it out. Brought me back to when I was a kid uh, and tried to do it when I was in lines for amusement parks. Couldn't figure it out then. I think I've only solved it one in my life, and I think it was with a lot of help. So then I'm sitting there. Really trying to figure it out. So I turn one edge of it, and then I hear a voice that says, Other way. I didn't know where it came from. No one else was in my house. Looked out the window, and wasn't anyone shouting outside. My TV or phone wasn't on or anything. So I twist that same side uh, again in the same direction, and then the voice says, "Other way, asshole!" And I look around and try to figure out what it is. It sounds like the voice was coming in the direction of the plastic bag, but it couldn't be. It was just a plastic bag with a green recycle symbol on it and some font that was too small to read. But out of curiosity, I turn it in that direction that the voice recommended. And then it said, right side up. I did so, and it really did sound like the voice was coming from the plastic bag. And then it said, top side clockwise. I do that. And I'm hearing more and more instructions from the bag, and I abide by them. Sure enough, uh, the Rubik's Cube is solved. I did it. I was just like, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, I did it. 
voice, the same voice that just says, you stupid asshole. I was just like, what the, what the hell is that? I look over, it's the plastic bag. And it's just like, you're the fucking stupidest dude ever, man. And I was just like, shit, just whatever. And he was just like, and the bag was just like, you can't even solve a Rubik's Cube without any help from a plastic bag. I start to feel like I'm losing my mind a bit, you know? Having discourse with a fucking plastic bag that's a bane on the environment of the earth. And I was just like, alright, asshole. What I do is I set up a chessboard. I set it up in front of the plastic bag and I move one piece. The plastic bag doesn't move. So then I look away for a hot second and I hear a piece slide. The plastic bag made a move. So I was just like, alright, so the plastic bag doesn't move when I'm looking at it. And that's how we played the game. I would move a chess piece and look away. The plastic bag would move something when I'm not looking. And then that night, the plastic bag beat me in uh, four games of chess in a row. Two of those games took less than 12 moves. game, I just swipe away the chess pieces, I'm just like, whatever, I'm getting out of here. So I just go to bed grumpy. So the next morning, I come into the uh, kitchen, and I see a bunch of papers on the table. I look at, it, look at them, and all my taxes are done. All the paperwork is very well thought out, very neat and well executed. They certainly monitored more deductions than I ever had when I did my taxes. So I pull it up and it's just like, I look at the plastic bag and I was just like, D did you do this? The plastic bag didn't move. There was a fan on and it slightly moved with the wind, but decided not to speak for some reason. start to walk away, and then I hear a voice that says, stupid asshole, and I turn around, it's a plastic bag. And I was just like, what's your problem with me anyway, man? And the plastic bag is just like, well, you think plastic bags are a bane on the earth? I'll show you. I'll show you what you're really worth, man. And I was just like, alright. So I take the plastic bag and I throw it out, I just don't think of anything of it. I don't care what it does to the environment. I don't want to deal with this plastic bag. So about two or three days go by, and I don't think of the plastic bag anymore. My ego is still recovering from my intelligence being belittled. Then I hear a knock at the door. And the dude answered, and it's just like, oh, it's, um... Baggy here? And I was just like, Baggy, who's Baggy? And I hear a voice behind me and it says, Over here, babe. And I turn around and the plastic bag is once again on the kitchen counter. 
dude comes in and says, like, oh, great, you know, you know, I read on your profile when we were chatting, you know, I'm really excited to meet you in person, you know, it's been so long since I've had such an intelligent conversation, you know, on an online dating app of all places. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And the dude who came in was just like, oh, we're going to have a date, you know, I guess with your roommate. Uh, I figured that'd be, wouldn't that be cool? Classic bag was just like, yeah, it's cool, you know. He was just leaving, and I was just like, oh, I'm not, not going anywhere. And I get an alert from my phone. It says, congratulations, you've won free tickets to Fast and Furious uh, 14. Double feature of Fast and Furious 14 and uh, Kong vs. Godzilla. Come by and get your tickets and see the movies tonight. So I look over at the plastic bag and I'm just like, well, obviously this is a ruse to get me out of the house. But I really want to see those two movies. So I. So I go and see them. Kong and Godzilla was a part two of a two-part movie, and Fast and Furious 14 was an excellent, uh, beautiful uh, installment of the Fast and Furious franchise. four hours later that night. And I walk in and naked bodies are everywhere. All over my house. As well as blood as well. I'm looking at everyone's faces and they all have ecstatic relief on it. plastic bag, Baggy, and I was just like, what the fuck did you do? And Baggy was just like, had an ecstatic blood orgy, obviously. You wouldn't understand. And I was just like, alright, everyone, everyone out, you know. I didn't consent for an orgy to happen in my house, and then one person went up and was like, hey, be cool, man, you know. Baggy put a lot of thought into orchestrating this, you know. Do you know how hard the Excel, sh Excel sheet was to put this together? That's it. So I grab Baggy. Start to leave my house. Start to tear Baggy into little pieces. Some people from the orgy are watching me do it. And I'm just like, what? It's a plastic bag. take long for the police to arrive. They arrest me on a count of murder for a plastic bag of all things. And I was just like, but it's for, for the environment, you know? We should be weaning off plastic bags, man. You gotta bring your own bags. It's not murder. 
plastic bag isn't, like, sentient or anything, you know? It's just, I don't know, man. Allegedly on the police report, uh, they said that I didn't know what I was saying, I didn't know what was going on. And apparently that was too stupid to figure anything out. testified against me that I did uh, attempt to murder Baggy. And I was just like, attempt to murder? No, I tore apart the bag. Yeah, that was me. I didn't say that out loud and incriminate myself, because apparently I could go to jail for tearing up a bag. And then I see another testimony of uh, the person that was on the first date with Baggy uh, bring Baggy over to the uh, witness stand explained that, uh, yes, he did have a date that night, and yes, he did, uh, organize the, uh, orgy, but he placed the fake bag on the counter, so he knew that, uh, his roommate wouldn't react to it well, and since his roommate wouldn't even know the difference between different baggies anyway, and I was just like, well, come on, no, the audience of the court was mortified. Some people cried. It made the news all over the region. And I was said to serve 20 years for my heinous act of an attempted murder. So on that first night of my cell, uh, sleep early, but I was just sitting there awake, and I sat there contemplative, just thinking, I always thought that I was smarter than a plastic bag. Okay, now that was Quarantine Spook Show. Good night.